welcome to Colored Red, a podcast all about Colorado true crime. I'm your host, Laura. And today I have a historical case for you guys. Um, Rarely do I find one of these that fits so perfectly with the date that I'm releasing the episode, but this one was purely a coincidence. This really creepy murder took place 103 years ago today in Montrose County, Colorado. As was typical of the time, and as is the case to this day, the media called this one one of the most gruesome murders in Colorado history. And I realize how often the media does say that about murders and how often I say that when I discuss these murders. But this one does involve something that I have not yet seen in any Colorado murder uh, to date. So today's case comes courtesy of my mom, who found the case, Um Also, pickandsledge.com, the Montrose Press, Ptarmigan Quarterly, and the Colorado Historic Newspapers Collection that I use so often. So buckle up, get comfortable. Today's case takes us back in time to December 15th, 1917, in a small farmhouse four miles southwest of the small rural farming community of Olathe, Colorado. A giant black kettle boiled away outside the home in the yard, looked after by an elderly woman, and within the black kettle was a horror that would shock Colorado and much of the West that holiday season. On December 17th, 1917, two days later, a man named Harry Craig called the Montrose County Sheriff's Office to voice concern over the son and grandson of 72-year-old Mrs. Nancy Bush. Yes, that's her name. Harry Craig was this man, and he lived very near the Bush farm. And he told the sheriff that 34-year-old John Bush and his 12-year-old son Otis seemed to have just vanished. Delta County Undersheriff J.T. Beatley and A.J. Myers, a marshal for Olathe, Colorado, proceeded to the Bush home to check up on the family. The men entered the home to find the somewhat elderly Nancy Bush and only Nancy Bush. No sign of the missing John and Otis. And they noticed the fireplace had been cleaned out. So outside in the ashes, they noticed some pieces of skull and bone, which Nancy said came from a couple of pigs that had died. The two officers sat with Nancy for a while, and eventually she told them her story. Nancy apparently didn't like her grandson, Otis, and she claimed that he had a shady character. She had accused the boy of stealing $1.35 from her pocketbook, and his father, John Bush, punished the boy by beating him in the backyard. After a while, John came in and told Nancy that he had hurt the boy badly and that he needed her help outside. So she refused to go outside, so she said, and her son forced her to go outside at gunpoint. He told her to go into the basement and retrieve some lye that they used to make batches of homemade soap. As she was doing this, her son John apparently began hacking up the boy's body with an axe because he had indeed been killed and placed the pieces of the body into a large black kettle pot in the backyard. The lye was then poured in on top of the body parts and boiled. And John extracted the bones and burned them among the boy's clothes in the fireplace inside before fleeing the farmhouse. This story was obviously nothing that anyone in the area had ever heard. And the story took off in the community who could hardly believe it. On December 28th, Apparently, things moved a bit slower there. Officers and sheriffs did a thorough search of the house and discovered the backyard shed 
and chicken coop were splattered with blood. And there were small footprints in the uh, mud indicating that the boy, as he was beaten, was probably reeling around and moving about um, as he was struck by his father and blood was splattering all over this shed. They also found the bloody axe as well as 13 empty lye cans and, of course, the giant black kettle that was full of a gray black sludge. Um, The next day, at a coroner's inquest, Nancy Bush changed her story slightly and told officers that John didn't leave. She feared so much for her own life that she just attacked John with an axe and apparently killed him herself, the 72-year-old woman, and um, disposed of him in the same way that he had disposed of his son, Otis. The police extracted several items from the gray human soap-like concoction that filled the large kettle that would point to this conclusion as well. They extracted a pin that belonged to John, as well as some adult teeth that were identified by a local dentist as belonging to John. And I looked it up, and I guess dental x-rays were first used in 1896. I'm not sure if the dentist had a few teeth or a jawbone with teeth in it, or maybe he recognized his work on one of the teeth. I have no idea, but he identified the teeth, supposedly. However, the area that Mrs. Bush claimed that she chopped up her son's body was free of blood, and Mrs. Bush changed the story many times, and it was noted by several people that she was trying to protect her son, though I'm not sure of what since she told everyone that he had killed Otis. She told officers and eventually the court during her trial that she would often enter fugue-like states and not remember anything. But it didn't escape anyone's thoughts that maybe John Bush was never actually murdered and they just tossed some teeth and a pin into the pot and his mom covered for him while he escaped. And we will never know. One neighbor of the family named Bruce Turner indicated that Nancy Bush and John had an odd relationship with each other based in codependency. I can't help but think of like a Bates Hotel psycho scenario here, but... They both paid for and rented the land for their farm under the belief that profits from it would then be split evenly between them. But according to what Nancy told the neighbor, she did not believe that John was paying um, her fair amount to her for the hay that they sold. So on the morning of the gruesome, gruesome discovery, Bruce Turner, as well as other neighbors, were showing up to mill around the farm and ask questions. And Nancy Bush walked right up to Bruce Turner and told him that she needed his help. Mr. Turner's reply to this was, you sure as thunder look like you need some help. What's the trouble? And she said, well, Johnny and I got into trouble last night trying to reach a settlement and Johnny's kid woke up. John went to give him a bat on the side of the head and knock him into the door casing And he hit his head and it killed him. Then Johnny and I got into so much trouble over that hay that I finally killed him. And that was supposedly the quote that Bruce Turner told the police. And this isn't the same story that um, Nancy told the police herself. So many believe that Nancy killed both Otis and John, but debate rages on about how an elderly woman could kill a boy and a man and then chop them both up and boil them and lie. So some people said that um, they'd seen John Bush after the murder. According to um, people on December 20th, 1917, Western Slope Criterion said that John had been seen three miles west of Olathe on the day after the murder, 
One story was that John had been found dead in Drag Creek Basin, just southwest of the town. Another was that John had been sent overseas with the army. Later reports were that John had been spotted in France during, during World War One, at which time Mrs. Bush was being held in the Delta County jails with bail set at $5,000. And... She changed her story, her story in the jail to say that John was alive and well and that he should return in about three weeks. But he, of course, never did return to the town at all, and this was never proven. In some articles I found, apparently there was a mother of Otis Bush in the picture, but she was away, and that's all I can really find any article saying about her. And she supposedly returned to the farmhouse on the day that the police were going through this farmhouse and they made the discovery of the boiled human soap that of course um, contained the remains of her son at the very least and potentially her husband as well. Mrs. Bush was of course arrested and held on that $5,000 bind which is around $86,000 today. At this coroner's inquest she also said that is what a woman gets for having boys who marry bad women. They marry bad women and then bring the trash home on their parents. And she was referring it to the first wife of, and the boy as trash. So she didn't like Otis and she didn't like Otis's mother, apparently. On April 1st, 1919, and I've also seen 1918 as the date for this, a trial was held in Montrose County and Mrs. Bush testified in court that after helping prepare the live at, her son had taken a wooden board and cracked it across her skull, knocking her out. When she awoke in her bedroom, he was in tears over what he had done, and she called him my darling boy, and they made a verbal agreement. John said, I'll agree to go away if you will promise to tell the officers that you killed me and disposed of me in the same way as I did of Otis. And she promised, and he came back to the room one more time to pour what she thought was a pile of bones into the stove. Um, Mrs. Bush entered a plea of not guilty at this trial, and she was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to the state pen at Canyon City. According to Montrose Press article from February 2, 1920, Mrs. Bush was happier in prison than she'd ever been in a previous life. Um, she enjoyed luxuries in prison due to her advanced age, like health care and different activities, the article says that she had her living assured, everything comfortable and clean, and pretty much her own way of doing her life during her prison stay. That she was contented and in more harmony with her life um, than ever before because of less worry in prison. But she was released just five years later, and she returned to live in the same area where she stayed the rest of her life, um, near that town and near that farmhouse. She apparently had two other sons who may have assisted her in her final days and even believed she was innocent and that John was potentially alive. One thing that we can be certain of and that never really changed throughout the entire story was that this was all started by a dollar and 35 cents missing from Mrs. Bush's pocketbook, which is about $24 today. As to the infamous black kettle, it was supposedly purchased by a local family and as of 1975 was in the possession of a prominent farmer in the vicinity and the kettle was still being used by the farmer to cook beef for its size allowed its use for a whole quartered cow. 
And those are the soap kettle murders. And I'll have an end of the month episode, hopefully. And um, until then, guys. Mm-hmm.